podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is the Scarlet Supporters Podcast. You can contact us on all the usual social media platforms or you can email us on scarletspems at gmail.com. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to season two of the Scarlet's podcast with me, Lee G. And usually at this point, I would introduce Big M, my old mate Martin, um, who is around this evening, but he's also on babysitting duty. So he's not actually with me um, this evening, but that gives me a really good opportunity to introduce you all to... The first new change of season two. Season one was lovely. We did well. We got to the end of season one. Me and Martin were still talking at the end of season one. Uh, his wife is still suspicious about how good we are as friends. But, you know, that's that's season one done. So season two, we are, we're going to change a few things. And the first few things is a new presenter. Uh, so everyone, please welcome Hugh. Evening, Hugh. How are we? Good evening, Lee. I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited for this opportunity. I'm so excited to talk even more Scarlets than I normally talk. Uh, and uh, I'll try and keep it cordial. I'll try and not be too angry at Ben Whitehouse or Craig Evans. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, yeah, fantastic to be here. So just from that that bit there, we can tell that you've listened to uh, some of the points in the past, uh, mentioning my my friends, Mr. Whitehouse and Mr. Evans. But, you know, we're, we're all in a calm, serene place now. Everything's cool, I'm I'm told. <laughs> so so you tell us a bit about yourself, mate, and, and, and why you love the Scarlets as much as we all do, mate. So um, you can probably tell, everyone can probably tell by my accent that I'm not uh, a local to, to West Wales. So I grew up in England. I grew up in the northwest of England. But my grandfather was from uh, Estalavera. And he, uh, which I believe is in the Ospreys region, but let's move on. Uh, he took me when I was a kid to my first ever rugby match, which was uh, Sale Sharks versus Scarlets in what was then the Heineken Cup and um, been hooked ever since and followed the regions. Um, obviously, I think uh, a lot of people start off sporting Team Wales and then get to learn about the regions afterwards. Um, like I say, I'd been to the Scarlet, so I naturally um, gravitated to them. And yeah, you just get hooked on it. It's like a drug, isn't it? You get um, obsessed with it and you get to know the players. I think one of the special things about the Scarlets is the relationship between the fans and, and the players and it's a very affectionate club and you really grow to know the players as people and really care about them um so that that's kind of what drew it to me and then obviously the scarlets in my opinion play some of the most exciting and uh, easy on the eye rugby um in in world rugby um especially back in the in the glory days a few years ago when we were winning the the league and things um so yeah, so Scarlet's addict, uh, and um, yeah, so that that's kind of my story, and that's why I'm a Scarlet's fan. And a spreadsheet addict. So if anyone follows you on on Twitter, 
you, there's nothing more exciting when seeing a new post come up from you with a thread underneath it because you know that there's like a whole load of stats and really well researched stuff underneath it. It's um, it, yeah, it becomes a bit obsessive sometimes. You, it's good. Fun. It does. Lo- love it. Love it. Love a graph. Um, sometimes people ask me, when do you have time to do this? And the answer is, if my boss is listening, I do it in my own personal time. Um, uh, but yeah, I lo- love a graph. It comes from a, a lot of people talk a lot of things about a lot of things. And sometimes I think I'm going to make a spreadsheet about this and I'm going to find out what the real answer is. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you follow me on Twitter at Hugh Griffin Rugby, uh, you'll see hopefully mostly numbers based analysis and only some slightly half-baked opinions. See, I, I think I go the other way. I'm vast majority <laughs> half-baked rants and uh you can't tell me i'm wrong i'm a proper old school supporter that way i'm i'm right regardless of what the evidence says so but that's part of the joy isn't it it's it's part of the joy of of the game and part of the joy of of talking to other people I've, i've never spoken to anybody about the game yet and everyone goes yeah i agree with that here's a point oh yeah 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 everyone's got a different opinion so yeah okay so before we we crack on with the the off-season news and all that kind of stuff i just wanted to let everyone know about some of the changes that we're 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 making um as part of season two so season two if you listen to season one so we had a lot of feedback on season one a lot of really good feedback from season one um, but we, some of the guys from the east of the region were a little bit miffed that we were doing Scarlet's Pembrokeshire stuff because we've been running the Scarlet's Pembrokeshire page for 12 seasons, I think it is now, 10, 12 seasons, and it's always been Pembrokeshire-based with the idea of let's get a bus and let's go up and watch a Scarlet sort of thing. So when we started doing the podcast, it was always Pembrokeshire based. So we thought we'd do a lot of stuff on Pembrokeshire teams and, you know, Narbeth, Tembe, Harford West, St. David's. Martin loves a bit of St. David's and Langham, the baby boys. I just, you cannot say a thing about Langham to Martin. Um, <laughs> I, Martin could genuinely drive through Langham, start at one side, drive through, come out the other end and not know that he's been to Langham. It's that small a village, <laughs> you know. But, um, yeah, so we had a, a fair bit of feedback, you know, can we do this for for the East and what have you? And we were like, oh, it's going to be a massive, long podcast if we do East and West. So we thought we'd split it. So what we're going to do, we're going to have one podcast, like tonight. So tonight is the Scarlet's podcast. And when we get into the season and the Scarlet's start playing that, first bit will be entirely based on the Scarlets. So there'll be no East, no West. It'll just be Scarlets. And that'll be me, Hugh and Martin all complaining about White House and Evans. No, it'll be me, <laughs> Hugh. <laughs> it'll be just talking about Scarlet stuff. And then what we'll do is me and Martin are going to do the West bit and then Martin and Hugh are going to do the East bit and we're just going to talk about the community game. And we'll ram them together so you can, if you just want to listen to Scarlet stuff, there'll be a Scarlet's pod. If you want to listen to Scarlet's East stuff, there'll be a Scarlet's East pod. And that is going to be called Sauce Band Central. 
And then if you want to listen to the Pembrokeshire stuff, that'll be Wester as Bester, and that'll still be there as well. So it'll, it'll all be there, and they'll all have social media that matches it and all of that kind of stuff when I can be asked to get run to it, to be honest. Because I've got the stuff there. It's just literally getting off my backside one night and going, here you go, this is this is what I'm doing. So that's kind of what's what's coming. And then there'll be some other stuff that we'll, we'll talk to you about at the end. But I think the main problem and the main reason that I haven't done that is because at the minute I don't have a sofa. So my sofa has um, got... Yeah. Oh, my sofa. It's one of those things where we ordered a new sofa. God, uh, well, we agreed on a new sofa before last Christmas. And the day I went to buy it, the wife said, no, she changed her mind. So then we did it again in January. And then that was like, that was a nightmare and a half. And then all the January sales ended. So we're right. Okay. Then you've got to wait until it comes back into sale again. So then in that time, she changed her mind again. And then I got fed up and I just went, right. Okay. I'm going to go and buy a sofa. So I went and bought a sofa. Executive decision. Leadership, Lee. That's what that is. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far, mate. I wouldn't go. (laughs) But what it has got is the sofa that's coming as it's got one of those electric recliner things, which Mm -hmm. are, well, I I just sat there. There was like about 10 of them in the showroom and I tried all 10 and the wife's going (laughs) going like matching curtains and cushions and this, that, the other. And I'm going like, Oh, this one's nice. This one goes all the way back. This one goes all the way. Oh, this one though, you can do a foot one and the back. It It was brilliant. So anyway, yeah, because I can't sit in here. So the the old sofa's been picked up and gone, given to charity. And I've got a couple of days before the new one comes, because that was the only time they could pick that up. And then I've got so so I'm literally got nowhere to sit and do anything. And I don't want to sit at the dining table because that's where I do all my work from. So yeah, when I've got my new recliner sofa and I can just kind of chill back on the sofa and just fiddle away on the laptop. Which sounds quite dodgy when I when I put it like that, but you, <laughs> you know, when uh when the new sofa arrives, I'll do all the social media stuff and uh, and all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, so that's what's coming. That's where we are. That's what's coming. Um, and same as always, it, it's you know we're we're going to try and interview uh local teams. We're going to try and interview people from the Scarlets which I've been assured will be easier this year. Getting access to players will be easier. Um, In theory, that's what we're told. Um, And then, yeah, we'll go from there. So we'll we'll see how it goes. So let's kick off with some... uh, Let's kick off with transfer. Let's talk Scarlet stuff. Let's talk transfers. And... And where we are. So, what have you made of the transfers this year, then, mate? So, I put out a uh, a gif. I think I replied to you on Twitter of uh, it's a, from a show called Brooklyn Nine Nine, where it's got Gina and she's dancing away, and all behind her there's all chaos. There's like fights kicking off and people trying to control things. That's kind of what it's been like being a Scarlet fan during this off season, where you got obviously Cardiff Ospreys and Dragons, less so Dragons, but Cardiff and Ospreys in somewhat of a bad situation in terms of incomings and outgoings. And we're there just like, Scarlett's assigned another player. He's really good and he's from here. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been good. I think the the best thing about the signings that we made is that we 
can clearly see the strategy behind it and thinking behind it of these are young players who see the profile we can see where they fit into the squad we can see the positions and the the gaps in the squad they're looking to fill we can see who they're replacing of all the of all the guys who left and yeah like i say it's it's a young thing and we can see you know we're in the the period of austerity for all of the regions so we can see the scarlets being smarter and acting acting faster and i think compared to the other three regions i think the scarlets are clearly ahead of the curve on mm. um on on the signings or clearly because we've been actually making some mm. um so yeah it's it's exciting times now whether they're all going to be successes remains to be seen um normally scarlet's recruitment tends to be either we get someone and he's injured all the time or we get someone and he's so good he gets called up for wales immediately and um uh, then we never see him again mm. um so we'll come on to someone on that front uh, but yeah I'm, I'm being optimistic is the mm. summary it's it's a bit like when we we re-signed liam williams and everyone was like yay prodigal son's coming home and this is going to be amazing and this is fantastic mm. like he played for us three times that first season and yeah i think but yeah by the time he'd left everyone was a bit like okay he's gone good well yeah, not good i think because at the know. At the time, Liam Williams was Wales' first choice fullback, and obviously Lee Halfpenny was Wales' second choice fullback, and Johnny McNichol was Wales' third choice fullback. So we are, hang on a minute, the Scarlets have got all three of Wales' fullbacks here. Mm. Were, who signed this off? Whose idea was this? Mm. And potentially and all three Cardiff, of them. Now he's gone to Japan. Yeah, but potentially all three of them could have been called up at the same time. You know? Yeah. And yeah. that just, and it was like. We had that same... scrum halves at one point as well. Yeah, exactly. All three in the Welsh squad, and you're like, "Come on, boys! It's it don't make sense." But so let's have a. So we're going to do a proper bit on the transfers next week because Hugh's got a spreadsheet on the transfers, and Hugh loves a spreadsheet on the transfers. But we'll just quickly run through all the people that have come in. Um, I just have a quick, a really quick thirty second kind of chat about them. So we have got Yo and Lloyd was like the big. Big signing, mm, really, for me. Um, exciting, that one. Yeah, I, I, see, I, I go against the grain on this. I, I'm not really seeing. I think it's because he's moved so many positions. He was ten, and then fifteen, mm. and then fourteen, and then he played twelve for a couple of games. That sort of thing. He never really settled on a position with Bristol. And now I'm going with Costello is just starting to come through and really show what he can do. And then we're going to bring you and Lloyd in again. Um, and I'm not overly. I hope we do. I, you know, don't get me wrong. I hope we. I hope he does turn out to be what he was. You know, a couple of seasons ago. But yeah, for me, it's all a little bit overblown at the minute until we actually see something. But what, what, what do you make of him? Uh, so he had a really bad Wales debut, didn't he? It was against mm. Italy, I think, and uh, it was back in the COVID season, so it was at Parker Scarlets. And he came on in the second half and he got flattened by Jake Pledgery um, and Pledgery scored a try. He came on as a fullback uh, and he got absolutely steamrolled and then he got subbed off again. Mm. That doesn't happen very often in rugby. That didn't go to plan. I think Pivac kind of tried to paint the picture that he got injured. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so you're right. So it, the versatility is an interesting thing. He, Bristol played him at 12 a bit 
I don't see him as a 12 personally. I think he played as a 12 against us actually for Bristol mm. um, one time. Uh, with, it might have been Randranger as the 13. Um, so primarily they're saying he's a 10. I think if he's a 10, then he's a backup to Costello because I think Costello is the chosen one at the moment. Mm. Um, I do expect that we will see a time when they are both on the pitch, though, probably as 12, as 10 and 15. And I think that could be mad to watch. I think, uh, again, I'm choosing to see there's positives in that. I think having them both on the pitch at the same time could be um, all, all sorts going on. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and like you said earlier, you can see where that fits into the, the selection, the recruitment policy and, and the type of game that we want to play. So, yeah, fingers crossed I think, is, is where I'm sitting on that one. Um, so then... Tane Plumtree is the other big name that has been signed. I'll, I don't want to be super negative on this, but I would have liked to have seen the guy in a scar. I'd like to have seen him trade in with the Scarlet before yeah. getting his Wales call up. So 100% agree. I was a bit annoyed when he first got called up to Wales because it was going around on socials for a bit as a rumour, like, oh, he's going to get called up. And I was like, mm. it's too early. It's too early. Earliest will be Six Nations, I think. If it was me, I'd not call him up until next autumn. But he's been called up straight away. And I think, in hindsight, I suspect that Gatlin phoned him up when he was down in New Zealand and said, sign for the Scarlets and I'll pick you for Wales. Because um, apparently Gatland did have a hand in the signing. Um, so I think it's kind of that way around, unfortunately. I think he signed for the Scarlets so he could play for Wales. Mm. Um He's uh, a big old unit, so he's six foot five, mm-hmm. um, which makes him the tallest Welsh uh, back rower other than Christianzer, um, from what I've seen. So, um, yeah, people saying is he a second row? I think he's a six. I think he's a replacement for Shingler. That's mm-hmm. what um, Steph Thomas has been writing in Wales Online as well. Um, he's played for the Blues, and the Blues. Uh, have got lots of really good stats in Super Rugby. Uh, so the Auckland Blues, that is. Um, but he didn't play for them the last season or so. So he played in the COVID seasons and he played quite a lot. But this last season, he hasn't played so much. He's been playing for Auckland. Uh, I can't remember what it's called, like the provincial side. So yeah, like the, yeah. the team below. What sort of level is that? I don't know. He's got two... Um, all Blacks under 20s caps. He scored two tries for the All Blacks under 20s. Um, yeah, so remains to be seen. I agree with you, Lee. I would have liked to have seen him do a pre-season with us mm-hmm. and then play for the Scarlets before he went to play for Wales. But I can I can see the bigger picture as to why maybe that hasn't happened. Yeah, and utility back row, um, you know, potentially second row. Like you say, somebody like Shingler, um, if he's anything close to Shingler at his best, then he's going to be a cracking player. So, Mm. yeah, fingers crossed again for him. So then we've got Ed Scrag, who's a former Dragons player, Welsh qualified, I'm led to believe. I think Uh, he's got Wales under-20s caps mm, from a few seasons ago. So he came from London Irish when they were in trouble, didn't he? Um, That's right. And I know nothing about the guy at all. He's massive. 
is kind of the first thing you need to know. So he's properly tall. I think he's nudging six seven. I want to say, and he's hundred. I think it's hundred and twenty kgs. I'll confirm all this on the next podcast. Mm. So he's a big old unit. Mm. He was playing for Irish, as you rightly say. He was playing in the Premiership Cup. So for anyone who's not familiar with the English structure, the since the Anglo Welsh went pop and no longer exists, they just run the Premiership Cup, which is a cup competition for all the premiership sides and they put development sides into that. So he's playing for that. I think Irish were runner, runners up in that competition, but he didn't play for London Irish in the actual premiership proper. Mm. Um, so he's not a mega star, but like I say, he is hefty and he is, he has got Wales and twenties caps. Um, so yeah. So it's an area of course, second row was an area we needed to sign. Mm. Um, I understand that the plan for Fafita is to play him as a back rower rather than a second row for next season so there mm. was an extra gap there um, again it's a wait and see like I said before it's all sort of like it's a bit money ball really what we're trying to do here it's players you've never heard of plucked from obscurity um, hoping they turn out to be megastars and look the size is pardon the pun size is huge mm. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you can't beat size. Um, mm. so. Well, he'll he'll fit in nicely in the second row. To be honest, you know we've we've got a couple of um, decent young uns coming through in the second row now. Morgan Jones, um, one of the Price Boys, coming through. So you know potentially we're we're kind of building a bit of an engine house. I hope, and I've been hoping for this for a couple of seasons now that somebody comes along who can replace Jake Ball in in the role that Jake... But as, as boring a player as Jake Ball was, he was also outstanding at being boring. He would, you know, he was the enforcer around the ruck. He was the enforcer, you know, pretty much all around the pitch. Yeah. And he'd give you 10 metres every time. The, the sidestep may not have been amazing, but... You certainly knew if Jake Ball came into you, and I and I hope that Ed kind of fits into that role. You know, can I very quickly give you my favourite Jake Ball memory? Go on. Then. So Ospreys versus Scarlets. It was the game where we put it was forty four nil. I think yeah. it was. Happy days. <laughs> um, Ospreys were on the attack. Ospreys were on Scarlets try line. No, sorry, Ospreys were attacking. There was a line break. Jake Ball starts wrestling the Ospreys ten. I can't remember who the ten was at the time. It was a small guy like half mm. the size of Jake Ball, and they were wrestling on halfway. So the Ospreys go down the pitch, leave these two behind them, go down the pitch, get to the Scarlet's try line. Scarlet's turn it over, run back up the other way, uh, go go past this fight that's still happening on halfway. Scarlet score a try. Referee, I can't remember who the referee was, calls it back, disallows the Scarlet's try for Jake Ball starting a fight while the Ospreys were on attack. <laughs> yeah. He's, I, I, think, I always think in derbies they should let that off. Yeah, just come on, ref, have a look. Yeah, yeah. My my favourite Jake Ball moment was um, so we were in the barn before uh, a game. He must have been injured or something, and it was when he shaved his beard. And oh yeah. It was it was really weird because nobody recognised him. Absolutely nobody recognised him. Who's this huge bloke? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I'm there with like my under nines or under tens or whatever it was at the time. And um, 
they do this bit where they bring out the players and they meet the all the young kids and they go right okay yeah shake hands and I said to one of the coaches the community coaches I said who's that he said, he said that's Jake Ball and I went no it's not Jake He's got the big bushy beard. He goes, no, he shaved his beard. I say, he's not. And we're having this whole conversation. I go, that's not Jake Ball, man. Jake Ball's bigger than that. It's a beard. And he goes, bloody Jake Ball, man. So I, in the end, I shook his hand. And I and it's like, I'm, I was roughly the same size as him, can't, you know, because I'm a big guy. And I shook his hand. And he like almost crushed my hand with it. <laughs> oh, that's Jake Ball. Yeah, that's Jake Ball. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah. Let's hope that Ed turns out to be another Jake Ball. So then we've got a signing from the RGC. Now, I, I like the fact that we've signed someone from RGC because you hear a lot of stuff about, you know, what's the premiership for, what's happening, why aren't we using the premiership to sign players and develop players. So I don't know if it's uh, Evan Jones or Ethan Jones, but his scrum half looks quite nippy from, from what I've seen on his videos. But... I'm just glad that we signed someone from RGC, to be honest. Was he was he Premiership Player of the Year or RGC Player of the Year? Was it one of those two that I think he got? I think he was in the Premiership Team of the Year. Mm, might be. Oh, might well be. I'll check that. Well, um, he, he looks like a typical scrum half, short, stocky, mm. bald. Yeah. <laughs> it's just... the, the only thing I'll say is he's not a kid. So sometimes you expect to play, sign players from the Premiership and you think, well, are they 18, 19, 20, 21? I think he's 25, 26. Mm. So he's uh, a little bit older maybe than you'd expect. But yeah, I'm aligned with you. It's nice that um, players are making their way through. Mm. And even, you know, the fact that he is a bit older than, you know, the uh, uh, straight out of academy just kind of says to players, you know, that, that, that it can be done. Do you know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I think I, I hope he. I mean, there's a massive competition at Scrum Half. Scrum Half is just insane. They grow on trees, don't they? Absolutely grow ah, on trees. Ridiculous. You know, we, we were all hoping, you know, it's going to be Archie Hughes' season to come through and maybe Gareth Davis might kind of retire after the World Cup or something like that. Gareth Davis looks like bloody Hulk now. He looks yep. like he's put another three or four stone on and is ripped. Um, so he looks like he's ready for another couple of seasons. He's found another, um, you know, bit of enthusiasm. Another it's... intercept versus Australia, please. Gareth. Yeah, but I mean, have you seen the photos of him in in the, in the Welsh setup? I, I know he's it's... always looked good with his top off. To be fair, he's always looked all right with his top off, but he's like. In the hot weather training, where he's all lean, he's he's lost all his water weight. Mm. Um, yeah, terrible. And, and I mean, the the one that's doing the rounds on social media is he's passing the ball, so he's using all of his upper body as well. But yeah, you look at that and you go like, that's that's animal like. So so yeah, I mean, the competition there is you know you Kieran Hardy, you've got this new guy Evan Jones, and you've got Archie Hughes coming through. You know, yeah, it's gonna be. Uh, interesting battle through the year on that one so the other one that i've seen um alex craig so this guy's scottish from gloucester was it i think we signed him the second row yeah and it kind of went under the radar i think there's other stuff going on um but yeah i think he's a second row signed from scott uh, from gloucester 
Um, he's had a couple of games for Gloucester. I think he had a couple of international caps a couple of years ago. But he's was... got two caps for Scotland. I believe he's had. I, I remember because I was on rap when uh, this signed now, so it's just remembered. He's the guy who was injured for half a season, came back, got red carded for a high hit, and then got was banned for the rest of the season. So he's going to fit right in at the Scarlet. <laughs> yeah, that's yes. what we do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we signed another card machine. Yeah, I, again, and this goes back to what you were saying earlier that you know we've signed a lot of younger players, a lot of players that are yet to prove themselves. So. Yeah, this guy has proved himself more though. So he's got two Scotland caps, and mm-hmm. remarkably, he has a hundred percent winning record in a Scotland jersey. Not many players you can say that about. <laughs> um, so, uh, so he is a bit more proven. So he's got fifty games for Gloucester, proper Gloucester. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's twenty six years old. Uh, two tries, two yellow cards, one red card. I love the fact that the cards are in the stats. It's it's not about how much can he bench. There's not many, there's not many stats for second rows. Second rows, if you don't... That's why Lavanini is the most famous second row in the world, because he gets sent off for every game he plays for Argentina. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those kind of um, uh, badges of honour. How many, how many red yeah. cards have you got? Oh, I remember yeah. when like Sam Lousy joined, and Sam Lousy first game, red card. And at the time, we were all a bit like, well, that's an interesting way to say hello, like, you know, but <laughs> yeah, it must be something. And he never have... got red carded at Arnhemwood. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's just the way second rows are. They just, all right, I'm going to decapitate someone now, so let's have yeah. it. I, I was never like that when I was second row. I was never no, like no. that. No, I didn't get used to get involved. I was I was a back row, and they used to put me in a, in a number four shirt, and I'd go, okay, well, I'll but I'm still going to stand out of rocks and, and wait for a crash ball. So that's that's what you get. So, okay, so then we've got a couple more. Last two, um, Teddy Leatherbarrow and Charlie Titicombe, I think it is. So these are guys that have come from Luxbury University with Bucks. I'm assuming they're coming on a senior academy contract or, you know, some kind of contract. And again... Young boys coming through. They've obviously come with the new Loughborough coach. You know, he, he's um, uh, academy coach now. So, yeah, uh, I'm not really going to know anything about them. And I don't even know what positions no, they are. Even I don't have a spreadsheet on the English Universities League. Oh, um, my God. You've not got a Bucks one. You've not got a Bucks I've spreadsheet. Got, I've not got a Bucks one. Although I do believe that these two were the pick of the bunch in Bucks. I do think that they were... One of them was like the player of the season or something, I'm pretty sure. Of course, um, I don't know if anybody's ever heard this, but Thibaut Flamont, who plays for France, came from Loughborough University. They only mention it six times a game when France <laughs> are playing. <laughs> uh, see, this is the way this season is going to go. I'm just loving the amount of information that you've got already, mate. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, the, the people that we signed, I think, more than make up for who we've lost. Um, I think half pennies wages is about half of covers most of of who we've signed. So Probably. yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be interest. I was expecting another prop. I'll be honest, um, just to bulk up the front row. But then 
you've seen Samson lead back in training and he looks like he's slimmed down. So, you know, who knows? Maybe Samson Lee's going to have another couple of seasons all out and, and everyone will be happy. Mm. It would be good. It would be good to see him back on the pitch and just playing normally and just mashing people in the scrum because that's what he does. But there we go. So my, my favorite Samson Lee story. Okay. Comes from. <laughs> so this one's got a bit of swearing in it. So if your kids are listening, it's, it's not me swearing. This is Samson Lee swearing. So just, uh, uh, yeah, just be aware. So, um, yeah, this came from somebody inside the Scarlets where they, they were very conscious when he came through that he was a bit rough around the edges for social media, for, for in TV interviews and all that kind of stuff. And they tried to shield him from it and they tried to coach him on it and all of this kind of stuff. And he, he played one game and he was really, really good. Yeah, he was like man of the match or whatever. And the TV people like, right, we need to talk to Samson. Come on, we need to talk to him after the game. We need to talk to him on the side of the pitch. He's man of the match. We need to talk to him. <laughs> so Scarlett's went, right, OK. And somebody caught hold of Samson Lee and went, right, remember what we said, you know, compliment, you know, thought opposition was good, give me a really good game, just delighted to be out there, 30 seconds, out you go, job done. Yeah, 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 lovely, lovely. <laughs> they put him in front. They go, Samson, what did you think about today's game? Oh, it's fucking amazing. It was fucking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and he's never been invited back for interviews since. <laughs> oh, dear. He's, he's got a, uh, he's, he's got an interesting background, isn't he? Didn't he have to have a day off Wales training to go ferreting? <laughs> I think Gallen had revealed that in an interview. It was something like that. I know he's uh, uh, he's been trying to establish uh, his own uh, traveller camp and okay. he had to go to a council planning meeting to put the case forward for having his oh, uh, traveller camp. Yeah. yeah. So, um, which I think he got. Which I, you, you'd be a very brave man to turn around and say no to Samson Lee. Yeah, you know, you want to put it in the middle of a roundabout? Carry on, sir. Not a problem at all, sir. <laughs> yeah. Allow me to make it for you. So, yeah, yeah. he's, uh, yeah, it'd be good to see him back on a pitch. So, one, one Samson Lee stat, which I, I credit Squidge Rugby with, was he scored a try in a World Cup for Wales, and it was his first ever try. He had never scored a try for the Scarlets. <laughs> he never scored a try for any of the teams he played for growing up. His mm. first recorded try was for Wales at a World Cup. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right for Samson, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, top man, top man. Right, okay, so let's move on to fixtures then. Let's move on to fixture lists. Oof, this is where it could get tasty. So, I mean, everyone's seen the fixture list so far. So before we talk about fixture list clashes, what do you make of the fixtures for this season? So, so it, it's a... It's a matter of perspective on the first two. So obviously we're kicking off the season with the tour to South Africa. I know you said um, to me earlier, Lee, that you think it's good to get it out of the way. For me, I don't want to be coming off at the back of those having been hided twice. That's mm. not how I want to start the season. Um, and then I'm going to put derbies aside just for a second. So if I take derbies out of it, our first five games are Bulls away, Stormers away. Lions at home, which is winnable. Leinster away. Uh, then we've got loads of Derby, 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 Derby. Munster at home. Connacht away. Mm -hmm. So 
I think we've got a hell of a difficult start to the season, to be honest. Although, I will say that the URC, the pro- probably the, the only two easy games are Zebra and Dragons, and Dragons have got the hex over us for some reason. So we've mm. only got one easy game. I don't really look at the fixture list and think, oh yeah, we'll win that. I think it's... Uh, and maybe I'm just being pessimistic. But for Zebra, I mean, Zebra have recruited really, really well. And Zebra's not an easy game anymore. You know, I can I can guarantee this season, you know, Zebra came close a couple of times last season. Um, Zebra is not a a time to roll out your academy boys and uh, a couple of the C team and just let them have a run out. Zebra's now a tough, tough game. So both yeah. and the Ospreys nearly had a nearly had an upset against them. Mm. And so did Leinster. Leinster would, you know, I think it was six and a half minutes we... away from losing away in Zebra last season. You know? I think Leinster have beaten Zebra three nil twice. <laughs> I think that definitely Leinster at least once have played Zebra away and won three nil. Yeah, it's shocking. But yeah, yeah I, so yeah, you're right. There is no, um, you know, there is no easy game anymore. It's it's hard stuff all the way through. So yeah, we start with we start in South Africa. I'm trying to get the list up. I can't get the bloody list up. But I've got it in front of me here. If you want, of course, because you're that organised, you. This this is how organised you are. Scarlet's Twitter have got it pinned to this top of their um, account. So if you search Scarlet's. Mm-hmm. Because oh, I was be... looking at it earlier for a spreadsheet, of course, wasn't I? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so it's the Bulls, the Stormers, and then there's Cardiff. And we'll talk about the Cardiff fixtures in a minute. Mm-hmm. And then we've got Lions at home, like I said, Leinster, like I said, then Ospreys away on Boxing Day. Mm-hmm. Then another Cardiff game. Oh, no, sorry. No, correct myself. It's the 26th. It's 26th of November. It's not Boxing yeah. Day. It's the 26th yeah, of November. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Cardiff away, and then the two... European matches, and we'll talk about our European draw in a minute mm-hmm. as well. Uh, Osprey's then on Boxing Day, so it's at home on Boxing Day, mm-hmm. which is good. That's my favourite fixture of the season. <laughs> um, then Dragons away on New Year's Day. Yeah. Two more European matches. Then we've got Munster at home in February. And then we've got Connacht away, March, Benetton at home, Glasgow at home. So Compared to some of the other regions, we've got a, quite a mix of home and away. Some mm. of the other regions have got a, a run of home games and then a run of away games. We're quite alternating. Mm. Um, I don't know whether that's a good or a bad thing. Um, and we've got Ulster at home, Zebra away, and then Dragons at Judgment Day, last day of the season. In mm. case anybody didn't see, uh, I know, Lee, you shared it on Twitter. If anybody's wondering why... Some of these teams we played away last year, we're playing away again this year, or and some of them have switched. The URC have confirmed that they basically reset the fixtures. So it's um, they're started afresh. So whether we play them home or away this season is not related to whether we played them home yeah. or away last season. Yeah. So it's this season and then next season it'll flip. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean... If you take the like last season, I think we had five home games, or we had like three, and then one away game, and then like another three home games, something like that. We seem to get have a lot of home games at the start of the season, 
and we stuffed up a lot of them. We were really, really close. You know, we should have beaten Ospreys. We should have beaten Cardiff. We should have beaten Ulster. Yeah. You know, but I did kind of get into that rhythm of losing at home. And mm. I think if we'd have had a couple of away games in there, it does kind of break your mentality and, and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I'm I'm quite happy because there isn't a run of more than two games at home or away. You know, it's all, mm. it depends if you throw the European fixtures in as well. So we might have a couple of um, European fixtures. I think the most games that we've got, we've got three games away, which is uh, end of November, start of December, which is Leinster, Ospreys and Cardiff. But other than that, you know, it's it's one or two games alternating. And I, you know, I quite like that as a setup. I, I'm quite happy mm. with it. But it just are you fussed on? Um, are you fussed on kickoff times? I know some people are. What's your view? At the minute, probably not because my kids are older, and okay. uh, you know, I can for for me to get to a home game is a pain in the ass anyway. You know, it's an hour and 15, hour 20, and then you've got to find parking, and then you've got to get food, and then you've got to try and find your way to some kind of service inside the stadium, which was poor last year. So I thought that's better this year. I, I gave up looking for food in the stadium last year. I just... I really? Went, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it just you know, queues us along and then you get there to the front and then there's like barely anything left. So I know that was something that they're, they're looking at. But so, yeah, I mean, for me, three o'clock in the afternoon kickoff, um, it's just a pain in the arse at a different time of day. But I know mm. people, so like Martin has got young kids, so um, they all go to the game. So, you know, an eight o'clock fixture on a Friday night for a European game, you know, that's not going to work for Martin. And he only lives 10 minutes from the stadium. So, you know. Ah, that's a shame. Yeah, there's bits like that. And I can see why people get frustrated. But then, you know, for me, and I, I said this on the on the Rap podcast, I quite like the idea of having one big game a week, uh, like on a Sunday mm, or, yeah. or a Monday night or whatever, or make the Friday night fixture, but make a thing of it. You, you know, make it, Put it on all of the free to air channels. So, you know, if like you, Monday night football on Sky. Yeah, something like that where you can go, do you know what? This is the big game of the week. And you, you guarantee yeah. that every side is going to play at least one of those games. You know, there are going to be some sides that play more, but hey, great. And yeah, I, I'd like to see more structure to it like that. So you, you'd be able to look down it now and you'd go, all right, we're playing a Monday night game. And, you know, you can tell that that's going to be a big game and there's going to be lots of song and dance about it. And that's the bit that I'd be looking forward to. So I think, you know, we're missing opportunities to to do something different and to be a bit special. Um, and, and, you know, I totally get why some people want every game Saturday afternoon, three o'clock. But for me, it's professional sport and professional sport is is you know it's outside of that kind of time slot yeah. you know it's... It, it, it's it's too it's too kind of fan base isn't it it's match going fans and 
TV fans. And mm. unfortunately, there's a there's about well, the average viewership, TV viewership for a URC game last season was quarter of a million on TV. Mm. Uh, the average match day attendance is what eight and a half thousand. Five five percent of that, mm. less. Mm. Um, for, uh, yeah, so unfortunately, you know, and I can understand why people are upset about it. I completely get the the reasons. I'm not saying I don't. From the broadcaster's point of view, it's a numbers game. Mm. Um, so what can well, you say? The the other bit that like this kind of went under the radar as well. It got announced by URC during the Six Nations, but this coming season they've signed a deal with American broadcasters. So the URC. I didn't know that. Yeah, it, it it got it had a really really small press release, and I only found I was looking for referee listings. So you go into the URC website and you look at referee mm. listings, and there was a bit in there about news, and it sounded a distribution thing in America, and then I'm going, well, hang on, there's there's quite a few people in America, you know, mm. you don't need, uh, you know, if you get one percent of America, that's a lot of fans, you know, so yeah. Somebody, some, all the Irish people in America, apparently. <laughs> yeah, but somebody somewhere should be going. You know, let's do some tie-ups in America. Let's let's try and do something to maximise that. And I've not seen anything about it since uh, uh, with the URC. So I think it's kind of like a highlights program. You you remember when NFL came to the UK and Channel Four used to have a a, a highlights program on a Sunday night at mm. six o'clock and all that kind of stuff. Well that was a highlight of my week at the time. So it might be something like that that is being distributed around America. Um but I just think that you know for all the the mm. issues that are in the URC, that money, that T V money needs to start coming through at some point. I mean, we need to start seeing some of that TV money in the clubs because it's not at the minute. But yeah, when when yeah. A, when a CVC going to do something is what I want to know. Well, they are. They're taking the cash, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> every, every time cash goes up, they go. Well, my twenty percent is suddenly yeah. looking a lot better. So yeah, I you know I've not really got an issue with the fixtures this year, other than the clashes, you know. So let's let's talk clashes. Let's talk about Barbarians game and this ridiculous idea of hiring out the Millennium Stadium on the same night that uh, Scarlets play Cardiff in Cardiff. So it's, it's it's just between me and you and the listeners. It's a good job Martin isn't here right now because if Martin was here right now. Oh my God! It would he'd be off the scale because yeah. we, we've already had it on our WhatsApp group through the week. So yeah, he'd be off the scale. So he's not what, happy. He's not happy with it at all, is he? What do you make of it, mate? So this is the Barbarians game first. So I, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to give the the benefit of the doubt argument first. So well, Welsh rugby needs money. We know that the biggest money spinner that they've got is putting on Wales games. Um, normally, there would be four games in the autumn for Wales to play. They're obviously not happening because there's a World Cup. So there's a big hole in the yearly income on a World Cup year. Um, they need to fill it. Um, so they've decided to put on a Barbarians game. They did the same thing last World Cup, so it's not unprecedented. If it was Gatlin's goodbye game, um, 
uh, Pivac's first game, obviously. So it's not unprecedented, and I can understand the reasons why. My issue is that we have been, we as fans, have been left to figure out those reasons on our own. If someone from the WRU had gone, look, here's the spreadsheet, so I'd be on board. Here's the spreadsheet, <laughs> and here's this big empty bit where normally we have awesome games. I don't know if you've been reading the news. We ain't got no money. We need to put on a game. All we can do is put on a Wales game. And because of X, Y, Z reasons, it has to be the Barbarians and it has to be on this weekend. So we're sorry, but we've made this decision for the betterment of whatever it is. They haven't done that. They, we've heard, I don't know whether it's been like officially leaked, you know, how these things work. It's been, and we've heard that it's being arranged. That isn't, that's not how you treat fans, in my opinion. That it, especially because it's the week after the World Cup final. So it's basically saying, we don't think we're going to get to the World Cup final. Or we think it'd be funny if we played a game drunk, um, <laughs> is, is the other thing. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's got such a... So it, it's not a good PR for the game. It's got a real potential of going wrong because it's got ill feeling towards it already. Mm. If Wales crash out of the World Cup in an ignominious way, People aren't going to want to buy tickets. I've I've seen people on Twitter saying, oh, I go to every Wales game, I ain't going to this. Mm. Um, and fans of the regions who are unfortunately somewhat of a minority, especially the match-going ones, uh, Martin's point was, just give us a chance, WRU, give us a chance. Mm. They, I think Steph Thomas made a point in his Wales Online article, this should be a showcase game Cardiff versus Scarlet's this should be one of the fixtures of the year and it's going to be an afterthought um so yeah it's a shame and you know with my Scarlet's hat on which is the hat I prefer to wear guys come on mm. give us a chance is what I'd say yeah I'm to me it just doesn't you know because both games are on they're on the same time or is it so that's is the it's... other so that's the that's the Bristol game. So we'll come on to this. So I don't think the Barbarians game day or time is kicked off. So it might be the day after. Right. Um or maybe even the day before. I wouldn't be surprised if the URC game got moved. Um But that's just so crap, I don't know the kickoff time. Yeah, it's just yeah. kinda it's poor planning, it's poor it's poor PR, really poor PR to, to do when like you say when Regions are asking the WIU for more money, and they, you know, the six-year deal is now in place. And we're like, yeah, okay, well, we're still on the on the bones of our ass, so we need every opportunity to get every spectator through the door, through the gates, and we need them to buy the merchandise, we need them to buy the shirts, we need them to buy the cold, stony hot dogs that are left at the end. You know, and then and then the WIU comes along and goes, "Here's a big shiny one," and they say nobody's going to want to go and see that game. If Wales do well, then everyone's going to be rested, or it'll be like a. Uh, it's almost like to me, it already feels like the Alan Wynne Jones Memorial game, a chance to say goodbye and yeah, you know, he's going to do. What I don't he did know if Alan Wynne Jones is going to want to do that, you know, because I read that as well. That doesn't mm. sound very Alwyn Jones to me. I think yeah. he left on his terms, to be honest, mm. and I think his terms were a, a 
sticking two fingers up to Welsh rugby, to be honest, <laughs> which I think he's entitled to do. Mm. Um, he's earned the right to do that, in my opinion. People have, have freely enabled to disagree. Mm. So if if whoever got on the phone to Alan Jones and said, we're going to put on a memorial game for you, for Wales versus Barbarians, I, I think he'd be like, mm. yeah, no. I had, my, I had my, did you see my Swansea thing? I did my Swansea thing. <laughs> I can't. I'm not Shane Williams. I don't retire every week. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the other bit. Who's going to want to play for the Barbarians? You know, name a big name that's going to want to play for the Barbarians. It's going to have to be super rugby players who uh, didn't do well at the World Cup or didn't go to the World Cup because obviously yeah. none of the other clubs are going to release their players to play in it. So yeah. Super Rugby won't be on at the time. So that's oh, who, who it will have to be. Yeah. So you, you're or, either, or other a, players who are retiring, a la Rory Best last time. Yeah. And, and, you know, whichever way round you go on that Wales Barbarians game just doesn't make a lot of sense. You know. Just, Imagine the stadium's half empty. Imagine it's on TV and you're looking at the stadium's half empty. I went to the England Barbarians game this year. It was only the bottom tier was open. The, mm. Sorry, it wasn't England versus Barbarians, it was Barbarians versus World 15. But even when it was England mm. World versus Barbarians at Twickenham, they are, they struggled to give away tickets for that game. Um, mm. okay. Yeah, so imagine... You, you, you tell me if this is pie in the sky or if this is even a good idea. It, it is... Is there the will in Welsh rugby, do you think, for people to go, no, we're going to Cardiff versus Scarlets? Mm. And... People, we pack the park, we get a sell out of Park of Scarlets, and then the principality is half empty. Is there mm. a world where that happens, or is that just you dreaming? Well, you know, I think the way Welsh rugby supporters are at the minute, there is potential for that, genuinely. I, I, w- I will create a t shirt that says, <laughs> I am not at the Millennium Stadium tonight. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, this is my protest. But, but yeah, I think. Yeah. Unless somebody, you know, unless not forget when you announce ticket prices for the Millennium Stadium, none of them are going to be massively cheap. You know, the I think the no. cheapest Millennium Stadium is the same as the highest priced Scarlets. You know, that, that's that's the difference between the two, unless you're under seventeen and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah to to me. There's got to be some kind of compromise there, you know, or whether they do it that, you know, almost like a judgment day where there are two games on. There's one game on and uh, the Barbarians game first and then the Scarlets game after. But even then, half the people aren't going to want to stay. Half of them will be drunk and it just won't feel like a home game, you know, for for Mm. something like that. I mean, judgment day is slightly different, but... Yeah, it just it doesn't feel like it's going to work for anybody, does it? That game. Yeah. Uh, no. So let's talk about the other Scarlet's Cardiff um, derby. Right. That, so, that for me is worse. <laughs> so if you thought I had a lot to say about that one we just did, oh boy, okay. There's a lot to unpack here about this other one. So. The story is that it's Bristol versus Gloucester, which is a West Country derby in the English Premiership, will be played at the Principality Stadium at five minutes past three on, I think it is Saturday the 2nd of December. 
at three o'clock on the dot on Saturday, the 2nd of December, uh, Cardiff are kicking off against the Scarlets at Cardiff Arms Park, which is for people who haven't been to Cardiff, nigh on the same place. They're literally the same postcode. Like you're in one, you turn around, you can see the other. You can literally see through from one end to the other. It's ridiculous. Just from a traffic point of view, it's already a disaster. Um, so there's that. I expect what will happen in reality is the URC game gets moved, um, which sucks, which is such a, a middle finger to the fans of the Cardiff and, and Scarlets. Yeah, yeah, you can't. Again, it's disrespectful to the fans. I just want to talk about it from a Bristol point of view. My understanding is that it's a Bristol home game that will be played in Cardiff. So Bristol played Bath, which is the other derby, at Twickenham last season. I think it was either Twickenham or Tottenham Stadium. Anyway, they drew 60,000, which is not a full Twickenham. Uh, Bristol play at Ashton Gate. Their capacity is 27,000. So they doubled, let's call it double the gate. Um, but of course, Brist- Bristol then wouldn't have made any of the money on the beer or the food, or and they would have got a reduced cut of the ticket price as well. So Bristol, I think the idea is it's an event and it's to get eyes and things. So there's that. Bristol is one of the better supported teams in the Premiership. They average 19,000, but that will be including the 60,000 that I've just mentioned. So that that inflates so. the average. Um, so yeah, it's a big game. So the question is, how many fans do they think they're going to get to it in Cardiff? Are they going to get more than they would have got at a home game? Not of their own fans, I wouldn't think. So do they think there's an audience in Cardiff who are going to go and more than half fill the Prince of Alice Stadium? Are they going to get 40,000 plus? So the, what that question boils down to because of this fixture clash means is, are more people going to go and see Bristol versus Gloucester in Cardiff than see Cardiff versus Scarlet's in Cardiff? That's how mental this this arrangement is. <laughs> Just want to put it out there as well. Bristol finished uh, ninth and Gloucester finished 10th in the Premiership this season just gone that's third bottom and second bottom it's not like we're, it's not like this is Leicester versus Harlequins or Saracens versus whoever <laughs> at the top yeah um, this is probably going to be at least a bottom half of the table premiership clash at the Principality Stadium and like like I said expecting more people to go to an English derby than a Welsh derby that's literally on at the same time in the same place it doesn't so make sense. Are there, it? are there going to be that many tourist fans? Um, again, it could be. It could be embarrassing. It could be they get a half full Principality Stadium, and that's not going to look good. That's mm. not going to be what they want. It's probably not going to make them any money. Um, there are people in Welsh rugby who still believe that the English Premiership is the promised land. I, <laughs> anybody who listens to rap has heard me have this rant. Um, <laughs> There are still people who believe um, that the English Premiership is like the God tier of rugby. And every time a Welsh team signs a player from England, they go, oh, he's from England. He must be amazing. No, that's not the case. The English Premiership at the moment is really, you know, off the pitch. We know the story, but on the pitch, the quality of rugby is, I would argue, bottom of the major four leagues in the world, below Super Rugby, URC and Top 14. Mm. Uh, and these are two of the less good sides in it. 
So are there 50, 60,000, which is a Judgment Day crowd, are there a Judgment Day equivalent crowd, the number of people in Wales who would see Bristol versus Gloucester as an event that they would go to? You, you, you tell me, Lee, what do you reckon? I, I don't think that it's actually got any legs at all, specifically for you know, those reasons that you just said. It, it doesn't make sense from, doesn't make sense logistically, doesn't make sense um, emotionally. You know, even, even though it's in theory uh, close to Bristol and uh, and Gloucester, it's still an hour away. You know, it's it's not on your doorstep. It's not so. No, even not. if if they take all of their their fans and they go, you know, every single fan that we've got within an hour is going. They're still not going to get a massive crowd. Um, but they, if they took all of their supporters and put them in there, they'd get a bigger crowd than what will be at Cardiff versus the Scarlets. And yes. I've got a sneaky suspicion. But that's the point that they're trying to kind of push. Yeah. Where, you know, I've said this along every time somebody on Twitter says, you know, URC's crap and why don't they, why, why doesn't Cardiff and the Dragons come and join the, the Premiership? I go, actually, at the minute, much more likely that Bath and Gloucester will join the URC than the other way around, you know? Yeah. So, do you think that's maybe? Do you think is that is that tinfoil hat conspiracy corner moment? Is this <laughs> dipping toes in the water? We've seen the story about Ospreys playing in London. Is mm. this a? Let's see how this goes. You know, playing in mm. different places. Is this a test of the water? Maybe. Yeah, I think it's there to piss off some URC people. I and and I think the WRU should be ashamed of themselves for allowing that to happen. If if it goes ahead, I mean it hasn't actually been confirmed. No, it's confirmed. Yet, it? It's confirmed. It's, it has no, it's been confirmed. confirmed. It's, it's in the Premiership fixture list. Gee whiz, man! Yeah, I think it's an absolute disgrace that they can allow that to happen. You know, the the WRU as stakeholders in the URC, you've yep, got a part owners. Yeah, you've got a URC game, which you know Cardiff are going to be desperate to get a full house for that game. You know. Scarlets are going to be desperate to get, you know, a full house for that game so that they can play in front of, of, of plenty of home supporters. You know, we need a season in Welsh rugby where actually there's none of this drama and we can just focus on the rugby and the regions can focus on getting people back through the gate and enjoying the game and playing some good rugby. And straight away, before we even kick the ball, we've got issues caused by the WRU again. I just, you know, I'm all in favour of giving the new guy in charge, uh, you know, a bit of a honeymoon period, but it's the, they, they, they've taken that away from him before he even starts now. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah, I, <laughs> I'm i almost a little bit happy that Martin isn't on you because <laughs> Martin is genuinely just... sticking up the years on this one. If we just use this as a as a neat segue onto talking about the European fixtures, because mm. Gloucester are in Scarlet's pool. Mm. Are Gloucester playing the Scarlets? No. no. The Scarlets have got Edinburgh, who are in our league. So yeah. when the Challenge Cup format was announced, they said we're going to try and minimise URC derbies. Mm. Um, so the Scarlets have got one. 
the dragons have got one and the ospreys have got two. Yeah. So that works. Now, <laughs> that's a symptom of the fact that there's eight uh, URC teams in the Challenge Cup and only two premiership sides, which I'm willing to give them this season on because obviously the Challenge Cup didn't plan for three English premiership teams going bust. But if that isn't redressed next season, it's an absolute joke. Um, having eight out of the ten English teams getting into the Champions Cup is a nonsense and needs to be corrected. Hmm. Um, but, so, uh, Ospreys, Dragon, Scarlet, that's 12 fixtures. Not one of them, none of those teams, are playing an English team. Hmm. That's insane. Also, I don't think any of them are no, sorry. The Dragons are playing Poe at home. Hmm. And I think the Ospreys might be playing Perpignan at home. Someone's playing Perpignan at home. <laughs> they are the only French teams travelling to Wales. So Scarlet's Cardiff Ospreys Dragons have all got two, te- two French teams each in their pools. Only two French teams are coming to Wales. Every other game that we have against the French um, teams, which include Toulouse, massive team, Racing 92, massive team, Montpellier, Castro, Clermont, all recent French champions, none of them coming to Wales. Mm. We're playing them solely away. Scarlet's have got Castro and Clermont playing them both away. Our home games are against Black Lion, which don't get me wrong, I'm excited about, mm. and Edinburgh, which I'm not excited about. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... I, let's talk about that Black Lion game for for a couple of minutes because, uh, yeah, I I've spoken to a couple of you know Ospreys and Dragon supporters, but people people who are curious about it and want to come and see. So from that point of view, that almost kind of works for us. You know, there there, mm. there might be a bigger crowd coming to watch it. Um. But then some you, people wanted it away, didn't they? Some people wanted the trip. Yeah, some people wanted the trip. Um, so before we carry on talking about that and what have you, uh, Big M has finally managed to join us. <laughs> Even in March. Oh, probably... yes, I have. I'm here. <laughs> Hello, Martin. Uh, right. Baby's Baby is finally asleep, but I've managed to uh, squiggle away. Only uh, problem is I'm on my phone now. She's killed my laptop battery. <laughs> So we'll start again then. Right, let's go from the top. <laughs> <laughs> so we were just discussing the Black Lion game. We'll come back on to the to the the uh, Barbarians clashes and the uh, Gloucester-Bristol clash and all of that kind of stuff because I know you've got some strong opinions on that, Matt. And we were just saying how the steam was coming out of your ears that when we could feel it through the WhatsApp group uh, on those. But... At the minute, so we're talking about the Black Lion game. What, what what do you make of that Black Lion game, the European Black Lion game? I'm excited. I, I really am. It's uh, I think it's a real a, a real good prospect, and it's you know something new in the rugby calendar which we don't regularly get. So I, I'm really excited, and I can't wait for it. I'm hoping, you know, fingers crossed to get out there, but uh, I'm probably not going to be able to. But I can wish. Mm. I think it's. I think that just shows that the Edinburgh game then just becomes a bit blur. Do you know what I mean? Then there's no there's no excitement around playing Edinburgh the way there is around playing Black Lion, a side that we've got no 
idea of who they are or what they do or any of that kind of stuff. And and then we're going to play Edinburgh that, you know, we will play a couple of times every season anyway. So it, it loses so I, I'm looking forward to the I'm looking forward to the Black Line preview pod because I did a deep dive on on <laughs> Black Line. And by God, are there some rabbit holes to dive down on there? They are. They've only existed for two years, but they've done some stuff. It's uh, yeah. So I'll, I'll save it. But it's, <laughs> there's some good stories about Black Line. Two years. They've only existed two for years. two. Oh. Only existed for two years. Blimey. Okay. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that one already. Then. So. So yeah. What do you make of the rest of the European fixtures then, Matt? Um. Yeah. You know, two away trips to France is uh, it's not best. I I would have preferred, you know, to get Clermont home again. You know, just just for a repeat. But you know, overall, it's always going to be disappointing when you know you told doing the pool draw. If you only go one other URC team in your group, you won't play them. And then the fixtures are announced and you're playing them. It's it's just unbelievable. And the worst thing for me is it was Gloucester. You know. A, a relatively close by team. That's going to be that would have been a ten thousand gate. You know that's that would have been absolutely massive for us against. Well, we're going to get now five, maybe six. You know, STs plus you know maybe five hundred thousand. Hmm. That's pretty much what we were saying. But it, you know, I think the only thing with it, you know, Edinburgh. You know, we we took Edinburgh to pieces at the end of last season. Um. Black Lion, you know, we, we were in Birmingham and we are in with a, a shouting chance. So, you know, at least both of our home games, we're pretty confident of doing something in those. And then you just need to nick uh, an away game to oh, make sure the, you're through, isn't it? The structure of the of the pools these days is you, you have to really mess it up not to progress. You have to literally <laughs> lose every single game. If you win a if you win a game and get a losing bonus point, you're probably through. Mm. The so, structure, you know, at least the, there's that possibility. Like we had this season just gone, you know, where we had two relatively easy games in in Europe to start with, with cheaters and what have you, um, and then it kind of provided a platform for us to go forward. So, you know, that's really digging to find some positives. Um, because there's a lot more negatives than there are positives on that European draw with that. But was was there anything else in the in the URC fixtures that jumped out at you, Mark, that you wanted to kind of look at? No, um, I, I think the main thing I'm annoyed about more than, you know, the rest is the fact that eight of our home games, you know, of, of uh, you know, the whole 11 the season are on free to air TV. That's, that's my biggest gripe of all. The fact that you know we get eleven home games, and you know one of them is going to be in the principality anyway, and you know eight eight of them are on free tour. So you know where where are we supposed to be growing these commercial revenues from? Mm. See, I was I was expecting you to have a grump about the late night kickoffs and all of that kind of stuff, but oh, yeah, it's, it's, nah, it's not that many this time round. You know, I'm. I've been quite enjoying the late night kickoffs because the kids haven't been coming with us. It's been brilliant. <laughs> so, yeah, so you're right though. Yeah, and this kind of goes into the clashes with the Cardiff game. You know, how do we expect 
clubs, how do we expect the Scarlets and Cardiff and the Ospreys to grow revenue, grow commercial revenue, when the WIU are competing for spectators directly at the same time, or directly and indirectly when it comes to the the, the Bristol uh, Gloucester game. But do you know what I mean? It, it just doesn't feel like the WIU supporting any of it, really. So, it's the same old story, though, isn't it? You know, the, the WIU has always been Team Wales, the rest can sort themselves out, you know. It's just a sad realisation of where we are, you know, all this, uh, the good stuff back in, you know, the EGM, or we're going to move forward, all these, you know, independent shares and what have you, and, and they just go and basically mess up as much of our season as possible. You know, mm. it's, they're, they're basically, they've, with this Barbars game, you know, I'll, I'll move aside from the, the first home game, Derby, etc. first, I'll move away from that, but, you know, we haven't Wales aren't really touted for doing much and you know, a potential group stage exit would have meant our boys available for round one. But because of this fiction now, we're probably not gonna see them till round four or five. You know, that's absolutely massive mm. for when we're competing with thirty eight man squads against, you know, the likes of well, everyone else who've got fifty, sixty plus academies, you know, we're talking thirty eight, including our academy. Mm. And I think even when you get to the end of the World Cup, there'll be some players that just go, okay, that's it, I'm done, I've had enough, and retire. And that'll mean there'll be players pulled in from the regions to fill gaps. And there'll be some players where Gatland will go, right, okay, you were only ever going to be here till the World Cup. And that's the end of the World Cup, so I want to see some new players. So I'm going to bring in some new players and that's going to impact the regions again. Uh, it just doesn't, work there are other opportunities in the season where that game could have been on and wouldn't have impacted us that much <laughs> just so I'm so downhearted over some of these you know this is normally the time of the year that I'm super excited you know fixture releases get everything ready looking at what away trips I'm going to go for and you know this this news over the past week has just deflated everything for me. This is this is why I want to go onto YouTube because if anyone could have seen your face just now, they go, "Ah, oh, yeah, that's why it's gone quiet." <laughs> <laughs> this, but you always say a picture painted uh, a thousand words. Well, that was a that was a whole war and peace right there. That was man. <laughs> just how fed up you are with this already, but. So let's move on to some positive stuff then. Let's let's do some positive stuff. We're expecting the kit release at some point this uh, this week, aren't we? Is that this week or next week? Yeah, apparently on Thursday it's uh, being revealed. I think there might be a press conference after it as well for a, a squad update. So you know, looking at all the uh, the the shirts that have been released so far for the World Cup, I'm expecting something very very simple. Hmm. So yeah, it's Macron, the, isn't it? Macron plays safe. Macron plays safe, especially with the home kits. Um, yeah, I've been on the Macron site. Don't spend too much time on it, guys. If you type <laughs> Wales into the search bar, it comes in, and I'm I shit you not. 
you go, you type Wales into Macron search bar, it comes up, did you mean Wallow, W-A-L-O? Did you mean, <laughs> no, I meant Wales, the country for whom you make kit. Oh, right. Oh, sorry. Like, and what, what you say there's a press conference. What's the press conference going to be? So, uh, chief exec, red again. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> we thought, you know, it ain't broke. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, I just, did you see the England kit release today? Yeah. Did you see? Did you see the background to it? Yeah, was no, it I, flags of the clubs? I think so. Is that what it was? Yeah, it looked like one of those beer towels. You know those old beer towels. Every time you used to go out, you used to nick a beer towel, and then you get your mum to sew them into a big kind of blanket, and it looked like one of those with all of the the club um, uh, flags and stuff. But you couldn't really tell. And then there was like England flags dotted in amongst them. And you're looking at it and you're going like, what am I looking at here? Because I can't actually see. Oh, no, there's a kit. There's a kit. Right. Yeah. Okay. I can see a kit at the front of it. Just really. Did you see, nah. did you see the tagline? No. What was the tagline? So um, Umbro's tagline, from England with love. Because <laughs> that's what you want on a rugby pitch, isn't it? <laughs> I'm going to give them both of that and say there's a really good and interesting story behind that. Because mm. if there's not... Yeah. Uh, it's got, it's got to be a shot, haven't it? It's got to be a shot that thought that uh, big eastern country, haven't it? <laughs> it's, I don't understand what's going on. Anyway, so we've got a couple of... Uh, 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 so we've got the Wales kit being released this week. Scarlet's kit. So what do we think of the Scarlet's training kit? Uh, the the stuff so far. What do we think of that? <laughs> oh, uh, another one where you know my face could paint a thousand words. You know, what I mean, uh, <laughs> one set of it. Honestly, I thought it was just of we turned into the Ospreys because it's literally it's dark, like really dark and grey. Hmm. And you know, I, I I don't get why they're going with the colour. The the badge is like a really weird, like sort of turquoisey tealy colour. I I just not my my cup of tea, mm. but you know, e- even if we had absolutely amazing training kit, it would never justify the price. I mean, oh my god, we're talking like sixty five quid for a pair of trousers. It's it's, it's stupid. Mm. It is ridiculous. I mean, Hugh, you're you're a a, a bit of a, a a nerd when it comes to kit and all of that kind of stuff. Is it really that expensive across the board for training kit and all of that kind of stuff? Uh, so it's a good question. So, I've, yeah, I've been doing yeah. a lot of research um, on kit. If anybody goes on my Twitter, you see a long thread about um, I got a chance to speak to someone high up at one of the regions about kit deals and things. Is it that expensive? So it will cost all these kits we made in the Far East or, or, or somewhere, somewhere cost effective to make them. Castor are obviously a new, a relatively new brand, a growing brand. Interesting, there was, an, there was an interview in The Athletic that the owners did, and they didn't cover themselves in glory one particular bit because they challenged them on some of the quality issues. I don't know if you guys have seen, like, badges being upside down and stuff on Castor kit. There's lots of images going around like that. Um, and the guy said, well, you know, you're always going to have one or 2% human error, aren't you? Like, that's not really the kind of... You know, that's not how you sell yeah. your kit. Like, yeah, there's human error in there, isn't there? Mm. Um, 
Yeah. The, the, how much does it cost? Not not that much. Not that much. They'll be charging as much as they feel they can get away with. Mm. I think that's the that's the disappointing bit that it does seem to be just ridiculously expensive for you know even like a vest you know a vest top is just I don't know yeah. I, I I've given up I wait for my boy to go back to South Africa and he can buy uh, a decent stash from the the sharks or the stormers wherever he is this time and and then I can hopefully he can kick me out and I've got some pretty funky stuff for a fraction of the price because. <laughs> That's the way it seems to work. Yeah. So I, I, I just don't understand how they continually do this every season. They overprice and then come April, everything starts to get reduced. It goes down to twenty pound, doesn't sell. Fifteen pound doesn't sell. Ten pound, most of it starts to sell. We still got mm. stuff left. Then in the middle of June, goes down to a fiver, and there's still stuff left over. Because mm. I know even after Macron left us, you know, last season. You know, there was still Macron stuff held in, in, inside the... I don't know how much you know about the Scarlet Shop, but they've got, like, a little cutout to the right as you walk in. And mm-hmm. it's got all loads of stuff in that room, and it was half of it was all Macron stuff. They just couldn't sell for a fiver. Like, yeah, you have to realise how bad that looks on the books as well, because it's an asset. So his inventory is an asset, and it's just depreciating. It just loses all its value, so it gets mm-hmm. it gets written off as just a loss on the books. It, it's It's not good. See, I what I would like to see, and this is just me and my blue sky thinking and all of that kind of stuff, is we pick a shirt and we go, right, this is our home shirt for the next five seasons. And this is our away shirt for the next five seasons. Or not even change them at the same time. You know, maybe every two seasons or three seasons, you might have a, an away kit and then five seasons. But you then, you maintain that kit. You stay with that kit, and it's a pretty simple kit, but you then make the money off selling the merch around it. You make money off T-shirts, baseball caps, you know, which you can then change. You you can have a constantly changing line. You can buy, you know, 5,000 T-shirts, and when those 5,000 T-shirts are out the window, you buy in a new range of T-shirts. Do you know what I mean? You, you You're not tied to the season. You've got you know, I'm a I'm a scarlet, or you can you can yeah. do other stuff around it. Christ, I was in Mexico, yeah. Uh, um, so I'm a, a big 49ers fan. I'm in Mexico, uh, in um, just down from Cancun, and I can buy a San Francisco 49ers poncho and sombrero. You know. And fully licensed, fully NFL licensed. And I'm like, I'm about 700 miles away from San Francisco at that point. But I can buy San Francisco 49ers merchandise. Can't buy the shirt. Can't buy the 49ers shirt because that's only sold at the stadium. But I can buy all this other merchandise. I can buy the T-shirts, the hats. I wasn't allowed to buy the poncho because... I was, I was, that was pushing it a bit too much. I would have loved to have the poncho. I really would proper <laughs> big, you know, Lee Van Cleef kind of poncho type thing. But do you know what I mean? We we need to start thinking differently yeah. about how uh, we sell merchandise and how we make money. Cause it's not unfortunately, I understand that um, the regions just don't have the headcount to be able to allocate a team of people to to merchandising the things. It's money that they think. 
we've got a certain amount of money and it's better off spent on something else than funding a merchandising department. Unfortunately, I completely agree with everything you say, Lee. I'd love all of that stuff to happen. And you do think, well, surely it's an income stream. So it's, but unfortunately, it's not that easy to break even. Like uh, I spoke to someone who told me that most of the French clubs, like Stade Francais, have got all that mad merch that you just talked about, but they're mm. probably making a loss on it. So mm. it, it's it's that kind of arrangement, unfortunately. But yeah, kind sky, I would love to see better merchandise. Um, it's better than it was last season because Macron, I think you can have anything as so long as it's a grey hoodie. Um, <laughs> but mm. uh, yeah, unfortunately, it's just not not top of the list. I think for the reasons at the moment. Well, I'm going to demand, I'm going to put it on my list of demands. Next time I go to the stadium, I'm going to I'm going to find a good ideas box and I want a scarlet poncho. That's what I want, a big, not one of these plastic ones with a little printed, I want a proper, proper scarlet poncho that I can walk around in and just, you know, that's the but way it goes. That would, yeah. be, that would be a really good idea, though. And, you know, you can only have to make like 2,000 of them and they'd all sell because, let's be honest, it does tamp down, and if you're in the enclosure in the north stand, you need it. You'd be you'd be snapping that up in a heartbeat. Yeah, I think the difference is in Mexico they have ponchos that are nice and thick to keep the sun off, and it keeps you cool. I think in Wales the poncho serves a very different purpose. I think it's, I'm just sitting there at the home games <laughs> with a big woolen poncho, going, oh, "I'm nice and cool now." With minus five, the rain is coming in at right angles. Yeah, I don't think it would quite work like that. But yeah, there's got to be something like that. There's got to be something like that. Anyway, we're we're rapidly reaching the end of tonight's uh, episode, Jen. So I just before we we finish off, I just want to remind uh, all of our listeners. So our social media stuff is still there. So we've got the so this we've got the Scarlet's podcast where Westra is Bestra, Sospan Central. So they'll all have their own unique Facebook pages, which we will share. Um, I'm in the process of setting up the Twitter accounts, but this this is the next kind of stage. So you missed this conversation before we started tonight, Bart, because you were babysitting apparently. Yeah. <laughs> so um yeah, YouTube is the next kind of place for us to to go. So yeah. we're looking at how we do that and how we work it and the functionality and all that kind of stuff. And the plan is to kind of have a bit of a watch along to some of the games. So if somebody's watching a game uh, on the telly box, um, we'd be here essentially like this, only broadcasting live over YouTube, and we'd all be watching a game and they'd all be watching a game. And it's like having your mates around for a pint, essentially. And we can all throw abuse at the referee. And we can all keep track of how many yellow cards and red cards, because you will have a spreadsheet for that. I can guarantee it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. that's that's kind of the next step. That's what we're working towards um, when I pull my finger out and, and get my ass. I, I missed my uh, I missed my planned joke from earlier. Is the good thing about the... Uh... URC fixtures being launched is that Lee can plan when he's going to have his meltdowns through the year. You can see, right? <laughs> Boxing Day, New Year's Day. No, no, I'm, hey, I'm, I'm going to be angry those days. It's good to know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be good. I'm going to be controlled. 
and balanced. And yeah, I'm gonna let Martin blow his top this year. I'm gonna just gonna sit there and go, no, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna do very level-headed. Yeah, honest. Why are you two both looking like that? I just... <laughs> I think it's because we live in this place called reality, and I'm not quite sure where you are at the minute. Uh, I, just... I mean, I don't know if you, I don't know if you touched on this earlier, but is that Terry Crews in the background? I can't quite make it out. No, no, this this is this is Idris. This is Idris Elba. This is this is a life. Oh, he'd be a good yeah. podcast guest. You should have said he was there. <laughs> this is my wife's uh, cutout. This is an anniversary present that I gave my wife a couple <laughs> of years ago. So I just leave him in the background there like that, and he will be with me on uh, most of my YouTube uh, pods as well, just because people look at it and they go, is there a bloke in the background? Is there somebody watching over your shoulder? He goes, yeah, that's it. Just, uh... <laughs> anyway, on... On that note, gents, we're going to wrap it up for this evening. We're going to be all done and dusted. And this is the start of season two. So we're going to try and keep it going. We're going to roll into some Wales games and we're going to start with pre-season fixtures and then we'll go through the Barbarians game. And then we're, you know, end of October, we'll be here in no time at all. So can't guarantee it's going to be every week in between now and then but it'll be pretty much most week and then as the season hits we will be back to normal and we'll be doing east and west and all of that kind of stuff and it'll be lovely it'll all be exciting it'll be lovely all the good stuff all the good stuff so on that note we are finished for the night gents i shall catch up and do this all again next week um hopefully with more of martin <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm knackered back that that was <laughs> um, so yeah on that note gents enjoy your rugby and I shall catch up with you once again next week all the best thank you boys Cheers, boys, boys. listening to this week's show please subscribe and share as it really helps to grow the scarlet's family you can contact us in all the usual social media platforms or on scarletspems at gmail.com join us again next week for more of the same and in the meantime enjoy your rugby sports social podcast network